Are you here to praise the mighty name of Jesus? Amen. What a wonderful God we serve. What a Savior. What a King. What a Lord. Amen. We love Him today with all our hearts. Isn't God good to give us so many blessings? Amen. We're so blessed today to be in the service of the Lord together. We want to welcome those of you from Tennessee that are we see the Bentons here and some of the Ron Colley family. And, and also uh, we um, have Brother Zane, Sister Beth Kemp, who's come to sojourn with us for a while. And they come home from Arkansas, back to Louisiana, where their home was to come back here. So we want to just welcome them today. And I hope you'll make them a, a part of the church here and invite them uh, in fellowship with them. Man, it's always important to do that, isn't it? Amen. My, look at, look at that bright spot right over there. Brother and Sister Hollis here with us this morning. God bless you. Amen. 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 We welcome you today. Amen. I, I, the deacon's already got a chair set up in the back back there, Sister Hollis. You get a little war, weary or something, but well, you're just welcome to go back there. And they got a comfortable chair. We want you to be as comfortable as you can, and amen. What a privilege it is to serve the Lord, amen. I, I just want you to take your seats just for a moment. I've got a lot of things here today that uh, we want to cover, but I, I, just, I just thought um, as we go, I'm thinking today of, uh, as, you, as you see, our minister brothers are missing, but the Michael is up here with me this morning. He said, I'll, I'll stay up here with you today. So, amen. And, um, but they're out um, doing the Lord's work. They're not uh, out uh, on just, just goofing off, but they're doing the Lord's work. Brother Aaron has been ministering out in Virginia, and uh, we'll minister out in South Carolina this Wednesday at Brother Jason Watkins. Brother Timothy's been in North Carolina um, we got Brother Craig over at Brother Jason Jackson's, and it's just a wonderful a time already that they've had. It's been a real blessing and a help to uh, Brother Jackson. And, and then, of course, Brother Joe's up in Connecticut with that little group there. So, you know, it's um, all over the world. The Spirit is moving. Amen. I want to sing that course here in just a moment so you can start thinking of that um, key for that. But I just want to remind you that we're in a very, very serious hour and a very serious time. I don't believe that we have ever, as a people, ever come to such a poignant moment as what we're in right now. It's very, very important to realize the hour that we're in and the seriousness of this hour. We are coming in, one of the last sermons Brother Brandon preached, it wasn't a public sermon, it was the communion service, after um, Brother Branham had finished his ministry, and the last thing that he'd done was communion, we'll talk about that here in a moment again, but um, in, in that he said, I believe the days of Ananias and Sapphira are going to return again, and that is where sin will not be able, allowed to be able to stay in the church. Amen. See the wrestlers here. God bless you too. And um, so 
you know, it's uh, where sin cannot, you know, stay in the, in the church and, and it will be called out. Well, you know what we just had happen at youth camp where we had about, and thereafter, about 10 manifestation of demonic spirits. Very, very serious things is we are dealing in a time where, where the devil is taking people more in this hour than ever before. And last night, after Brother Timothy ministered in North Carolina, they had a prayer line. I got a text from Brother Aaron, who was also there, to join in prayer as it was facing a, uh, a very serious demonic manifestation. And they'd taken a young lady back to the back room there and was praying with, with her as it was manifesting there, and the spirit growling and, and speaking out like that. And, of course, when I got the text, I dropped to my knees. And about 45 minutes later, I, I got a report of victory that the young sister was dancing the Miriam dance and delivered. But the demon took her while she was reading books she shouldn't have been reading. That's how it came out. And you need to start looking at some things very differently. I want you to think of this very differently as... I told you of some weeks ago in Brother Branham's time where the little uh, Norman girl, Mary Norman, took a, an evil spirit while watching a movie on the Holocaust at a, at a church. And, and there that thing began to trouble her from then on. And, and Brother Branham then, there after the meetings in 62, the Grass Valley meetings, he prayed for her and he said, I saw an evil spirit rise off of her said, she'll be all right now. And the nightmares and everything stopped after that. But I want you to start looking at things very differently. When you open yourself up by lust, looking upon somebody or something to lust after in your heart, in the spirit realm, now maybe not the physical realm, but in the spirit realm, it's the same as adultery. Because this, this thing opened this girl up to an evil spirit. And I, again, I say, this is... This is uh, the days of Ananias and Sapphira when you just can't play church. Last Sunday, I was telling you of a, of a vision of Brother Branham's where that he saw death coming, and this was in the form of a mamba snake, and he said it was after his brother. He was given the power to bind it, yet he was told, he was told that himself, you're going to have to be more sincere in order to bind this spirit of death. And I'm telling you, we are coming into an hour where it requires a greater sincerity than ever before. And as I was telling that, I recounted where Brother Branham um, took his Bible because he said the children were getting up and the vision had just come. And he said, I was praying. I said, Lord, I need a, I need a word from you. What must I do? You've told me to be more sincere. What must I do? And, and he said, um, you know, he said he took the Bible in his hands. And he said, he said he, and he, other times he said, I don't use this for like a Ouija board or something like that. He said, this just been on rare occasions. But he said, I took my Bible and I, it fell open. Right now my Bible fell over to the book of Daniel. But there it fell over to the book of 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, where he said that, that um, you know, that, 
you got to come to this feast of the Passover. And he said, you must come to the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so he said, a feast with the Lord is a fast. And he said, I must be more sincere. He said, so I'm, I'm going to go and fast and pray and ask God for that more sincerity. And I'll tell you what, it's time more than ever before that we realize we're dealing with issues and times that enter into a time of darkness like there's never been upon the face of the earth. And we've got to be a people who are sincere because them, them spirits will call you out for your insincerity. Amen? It'll call you out for it. We've already seen that happen. And I just, I just want to say the very thing. Sometimes we look at things very frivolous. This is not an hour to play church. This is Ananias Sapphira. Last Sunday, when I, when I told you that very thing, how Brother Branham took and opened his Bible and it fell there. I don't use this Bible. It's one I keep on my desk. I don't take it home. I don't read from it. I don't study from it. It's a, it's a Bible Brother George Hamilton gave me for that. It's a, actually a, a, a kind of a reminiscent of the Schofield Bible Brother Branham carried and he had my name put on it and I only carry it to the pulpit I don't study over it. it's my family if I would die and my family looked at it to find my favorite scripture or something I underlined there ain't a thing underlined and I don't read out of it it's just something I carry to the pulpit so that I can have a reference or open it um, to to something I I don't think it would be much dignity just to walk out with notes or or, or a pad and not a bible so, you know, I, I like to take my Bible along with me out to the pulpit for reference. But when I had not opened it that morning, but when I opened it that day, now, if I try to open it, it opens up to the index. If I go to where I think, because it's a huge, huge index here in the back of this Bible, starting for about right there is, is mostly index from there on. So... As you see, I, if I'd have tried, I'd have missed the book of Corinthians because I'm not familiar with this big, big index in it. But when I opened it up, it opened up to the exact same scripture that Brother Branham was pointed to. And I showed the three ministers that was on the, on the platform that day as a witness. That was last Sunday. And I just want to remind you, the Holy Spirit is here. And he's telling us something very direct. And I want us to really... I want us to really tune in to what God is speaking. And I have something today, and it may be a little bit lengthy, but we're all mostly uh, message believers here today, and so I'm not worried about how long I preach. I want to deliver my heart today. I have wept more over this sermon than any sermon I have in years, as I just, because of, as the, as the Lord speaking to me and making some things just really real that is pressed on my heart. And so I want you to tune in today with all your heart, with everything that's within you. And, the, you know, you, it'll get lengthy. And boys, on the front seat here, I know you're, you get a little tired and, and, and you're young and get filled up and you have to go to the restroom don't, don't go down this single, this center aisle ever. Go out to the side and away because it disturbs right in the view of the, the cameras for those that are watching. 
So, you know, I, I just, just want to say, you know, we need to come into this service with a deeper sincerity. And I want you just to pray as we pray this morning and ask God to speak to you in, in a very clear way and let this word find a resting place in your heart. Will you stand together with me now? I want us to sing as I'm thinking of evening light being all over United States today, you know, here, there, everywhere, north, south, east, west, wherever they are, ministering out. I want us to sing, all over the world the Spirit is moving. All over the world like the prophet said it would be. All over the world is a mighty revelation. It's the coming of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Let's worship God together. All over the world. God's Spirit is moving all over the world like the prophet said it would be all over the world is a mighty revelation of the coming of the Lord as the waters Carolinas and the services there this week. As we hear, Lord reported last week, Brother Mike Price's church, miraculous things happening, miracles. There in the meetings at Brother Jason's, Lord, the Holy Spirit moving right here in the church. You're speaking in very supernatural manners. Lord, maybe in very simplicity, but let us not miss your simplicity. Because God is hidden and revealed in simplicity. And I pray God that we'll not miss today what you're doing. That you'll speak. You'll speak in a very direct way. That you'll minister to hearts and lives. Lord, that you'll deliver the souls of men and women. Lord, oh God, I think, I think of just a little request that have come in. A little brother from Rhode Island calling in, I'm sick, I'm needy, I need a, need a touch from God. Lord, may you know today that all over the world, God's Spirit is moving. And it'll move right down in Rhode Island. And 
minister to his heart. May it touch his life today and be healed. I send healing today on the wings of this prayer. And Lord, I hear of a, an old friend of mine that just crossed away yesterday, 68, or day before yesterday, 68 years old. Rod Carroll gone in just a moment. His little wife, frantic, needing a touch from you today. I pray, God, that you'll bring a healing to her. We don't know when we'll be called out of this realm from mortal back to immortality. But I pray that you'll make our hearts ready for your coming. Ever need, Lord, I pray that you'll supply and bring healing and deliverance today. And help us, Lord. As the prophet said, make me more sincere. I'm saying the same thing. We're facing the enemy. We must be more sincere. We must be a dedicated, consecrated, sold out people. Bless us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. As we hear today, let's turn to the book of Exodus chapter 12 for our scripture reading this morning. Looking to the Lord, asking him to speak to us now as we approach this very soberly and sincerely. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speaking to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers. A lamb for a house. God bless you as you're seated. I'm going to be speaking to you from this scripture. Maybe you didn't see a whole lot in it as we read it. But there's a little phrase there that just struck my heart the other day that I want to speak to you about as we minister this morning. And I want to speak on the new beginning. And of course, we're the people of the book that have returned to the land of the book. And for Israel, as they return, was returning to the land, it was as it was going back to their origin, going back to the beginning. We believe as Israel received a messenger from God who brought them the message of the Exodus, it was vindicated with signs and wonders. Even so, God has sent a message in this last day. And, uh, you know, so as we come in our thoughts today to the last message, I want to just key in on a couple of things um, as we believe that we have received the seventh angel's message. As you know, the Bible said in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. So he declared there would come an hour, a day, a time where the mystery of God would be finished. And, and I believe that God used and vindicated a messenger in this day and set him apart from all the other itinerant evangelists that struck the countries like Oral Roberts and Billy Graham and the different other greats that are out there, as they would call them in today's language, God's generals. But there was not a man that equaled William Branham. 
because we saw in his ministry the very ministry of Jesus Christ repeat itself. And what I mean is that it was not, it was, of course, he was not Jesus Christ. He was far from it. He was a man just like we are men, but he was a man to bring forth the, the message that Jesus Christ has to this end time people. And it's not a new message. It's the message that we heard from the beginning that has been distorted by the denominational ages. But the, I, I think some time ago, you know, I read on a, a book about killing Lincoln. It was by a man by the name of O'Reilly, and he wrote a book. It was, it was a very wonderful book. It took about the last two weeks of Lincoln's life and day by day and what happened every day and the, maybe the, the thoughts that was running through his mind or the preparations that he was making. The man who had only a few, this many hours left to live. The man who only had a day to live or whatever. You know, that, and he would carry it along his life story. And, and you know, I, 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 my thought, of course, came to this message. And Brother Branham here would, uh, would come to a time that he only had just a few more sermons to preach. And when it did, the message to Laodicea would be finished. It would be not another sermon that would come out from that servant of God. And he would speak his very last sermon, public sermon, which would be on leadership. And in leadership, um, which is his last complete message, and this would be taken, and I think this is very significant, taken just before he would serve communion there in Tucson at Brother Green's Tabernacle. He wouldn't preach, but he would just have some comments and speak for a little bit uh, uh, after the sermon had been given by Brother Perry, and he would do the communion, and he would serve communion, and then was gone. And the last words that he would speak publicly, he would say, these hideous sights that's coming up on the earth, you can see how the people moving right into it. It's insanity. But when that thing strikes, the church will be gone. God, let us be there. That's my prayer to the great supernatural being that's in this building tonight, the great Christ that has eternal life. I pray thee, Christ, as I'm here with my eyes open looking at the church you've redeemed with your blood. God, don't let a one of us be lost. We want to be right with you, so cleanse us, O Lord, from all our iniquities. Take away our sins and things. We've seen you heal our sick and even raise our dead, come back to life through prayer. And we've seen all these things happen, Father. Now bring us back to life spiritually and bring us back to the realization of eternal life through Christ Jesus. Grant this, Father, I commit it unto you. In Jesus Christ's name, till we meet, and he sings, till we meet, till we meet at Jesus' feet. God be with us till we meet again. And he tells us all goodbye and leaves and goes out and has Passover, the communion with his disciples at Brother Green's church. And just a few days later, he's gone. I think it was very fitting when we saw the ministry of Christ repeat. 
that it happens the same way. And we cannot deny that the death angel is in the land. You cannot pretend that everything is just going to go on as it always has. Brother Branham would have his own self. He said, I can't see it go past 1977. It got so dark, he couldn't see past there. And we have now advanced now many years into the hours of darkness. And it's getting worse and worse. And there's a dying of Christian churches in America. As I, as I told you a month or so ago, and Brother Donnie sent this to, to some of us here this week and reminded me of it. But I shared it with you a couple of months ago of an article that was, was reporting that, that every year in, in uh, our nation that there's between six and 10,000 churches each year that are closing, and that number is growing. And, and then, and that, that it has been now falling for decades, and now um, the number of unaffiliated and unchurched Americans um, are, are, are nicknamed the nuns, you know, non-religious. And, and it's, that population is growing from 1991 to 25% today. And this makes them the largest single religious group in America. And today, less than 20% of all Americans attend church on a regular basis. I think you think, oh yeah, we're all immune to that. Hey, that affects many people as, as lukewarmness enters right in among our ranks. I hear the cries of pastors, what can I do to get people out on Wednesday night? What can I do? They won't come back on Sunday night. They're only Sunday morning goers, and, and, and most of the time, not there then. According to them, there will be between uh, nearly 200 churches will close just this week. And you can see them vacant churches all over, everywhere, or hardly, hardly enough money to coming in to keep and maintain the buildings. And, and so they're dying. We got to get ready to leave here because the death angel is coming. It's here in the land. We can already hear the cries that are going up from families, from homes, from divorces, from from. Uh, every kind of evil thing that you can imagine that has already taken place. And I'm going to try to hurry, but don't press me. I've, I've got something very heavy on my heart today. In the unveiling of God, Brother Branham said, the last plague in Egypt was death. Before the exodus, the last plague on earth is spiritual death before the exodus. And then they'll be cremated and turned back to dust. And the righteous will walk out upon their ashes. That's Malachi 4. But, at the last, but the last thing is spiritual death, rejecting the word. And so I, I think it's fitting as we just kind of sum up these early comments of my message, prefacing some of the things that I said, that, that our Lord Jesus' last act before his return to God was the Passover. And I think, as he told his disciple, I will be the fulfillment of the Passover. Take it, this is my body. Take this cup, it represents the blood of the New Testament. You'll receive life by receiving my, my life, the Holy Spirit. 
In our day with our messenger, we saw the ministry of Jesus Christ repeat again. And I think again it's fitting that the last act he did before departing was communion, Passover. And death is here. And all that's from under the blood will perish. As he left us with this warning, these hideous sights that's coming on the earth. You can see how people's moving right into it. It's an insanity. But when that thing strikes, the church will be gone. How many wants to leave? Amen. Amen. I don't want to stay here. So it says this month, as he said to Israel, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. So he said, I'm going to give you a new beginning. I'm going to actually in this exodus take you back to your origin." Now, this was a new beginning for Israel. It was a new beginning from slavery to freedom. It was the birth of a nation where that they would become the bride of Jehovah. Their freedom would begin with the death of the lamb, an innocent one for the guilty. And this blood was their freedom. And the whole time and the whole theme, I mean, of the Exodus is redemption. And this Passover was redemption redeeming them from the evils of the death angel and their deliverance from slavery. And as I said, the death angel today is in the Lamb. And with the passing over and the salvation from, the, from death, Israel was having a new beginning. And this, and this also is a time where we must apply the blood. The evening time message is the blood must be applied and that you must enter into that communion and that Passover with the Lord and eat the lamb and the unleavened bread and drink of his life. Are you with me? Now, so he said, this shall be a beginning of months. So I want you to see with the, with the token being applied, the blood being applied, the blood was the token, it, it represents the Holy Ghost, with the blood being applied and them taking the Passover, all of this was a new beginning. They were, they were getting ready to go back to their origin because they had come from the promised land of Canaan and now way after 400 years were having an exodus. Going back into the promised land. As I think of this new beginning, my mind goes to the earth. Because the earth itself will one day have a new beginning. Amen. It will go back to its origin before sin ever entered into the picture. There are trillions of stars in the universe. But there's one that is very special to God. And the earth... It, its name is in the book of life. And it's in the Bible. Now, I, I want you to think, you know, because Saturn and Jupiter and Mars, none of their names are in the Bible, but the earth, its name is in the book of life. Out of the millions, it is named. And so it's very special to God, yet the earth has It's deep scars and ravines and chasms and fossils of millions of animals. The earth bears within herself deep scars of her chaotic past. As even as some of you carry deep scars today in your heart from your past. He called this place earth. Put his name in the book of life. This is why 
He must redeem the earth. He cannot, I want you to get it, he cannot annihilate it. Its name is in his book. And he cannot annihilate it. The Bible said the heavens and earth shall pass away. But that word means to change from one form to another form. Now, in 2 Peter 3 and 10, I'm, I'm going to deal with this because we're going to deal with the earth for a little bit because in it lays the very mystery of our new beginning and the new beginning that we're here at this time. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away. Now that word is the Greek word parakomahi, which means it, it, it means to pass from one form to another. And it will pass away with a great noise. And, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. It would be said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, it uses the same word, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Now, the, the um, theologians today debate on whether the earth will be renovated or whether it will be annihilated. But I want to just point out, David said in the Psalms 37, 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Jesus agreed with this in Matthew 5 and 5, blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. I want to turn to Colossians 1 and 19. For it is here that it says, It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. This Greek word reconcile comes from apocalypso, which means to change something backward and upward to its original condition. So again, he is going to reconcile it or change it back, the earth back to its original condition before sin ever entered the picture. Now what exactly is being changed as we look at the scripture? What exactly is being changed to its original condition through the blood of the cross of Christ? Paul gives the answer, all things. He says, and he says this for emphasis, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. In other words, nothing will be left out. Everything will be changed backwards and upward into its original condition. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, in the days of Noah, we know what God did to the earth as he started his process of redemption. God would baptize the earth with water. He would immerse it. Amen. He didn't just sprinkle upon it. He immersed it in water. The framework though was not destroyed. Just the sin and the evil upon it. But there they would walk out on a new earth. Are you with me? After it had been destroyed with water. Now notice I'm going to share this from Future Home. It's a wonderful message that I've been combing over this week. So he says, the old world framework was not destroyed by the water. The world was only washed off 
that got its baptism. It was baptized. So the framework, so will the framework remain, though it be burnt by fire. It don't destroy the earth. It just destroys the sin that's on it. If you get the picture, Malachi 4, 1 says that, that we'll walk out on the ashes of the wicked. Is that right? So, so again, it will, there is a day coming and the earth will burn with fire, but we'll walk out on the ashes of the wicked. So the framework will, be, will remain and it don't destroy the earth. As Brother Branham would say, notice in Peter, the third chapter, he uses the word world as Greek cosmos, which means the world order. The, the, the earth shall pass away, melt with elements with fervent heat. See, it doesn't mean the earth, the planet is going to pass away, but the world, the cosmos, the politics, the sinners, the system, disease, germs, everything that's wrong will pass away. He said, God once shook the earth rather, and, and then, then this time, he'll shake the heavens. For we receive a kingdom that cannot be moved. It's an eternal kingdom. Watch how he goes to it. Notice Peter said, and will melt with fervent heat, and the works thereof burn up. Not of the planet, not the planet, the works therein. The works of man, all their politicians, their schemes, all their denominations, Man-made schemes will all go when it burns. Amen. Heavens and earth will pass away with a great noise. Did you get it? Heavens and earth will pass away with a great noise. Listen, the whole earth will be on fire. It will ignite the gases that's in the earth and explode it. That's exactly right. The Bible said here, Peter said, heavens and earth will pass away with a great noise. Such an explosion We'll rock it, oh my, because it's got to kill every disease, every thistle, every thorn, everything there is to be done. The fire will burn it up. And remember, it's not altogether just a literal fire. It's also a holy fire that will take Satan and all of his devils. Amen. Both heavens and earth will pass away, killing all the germs, all the insects, all natural life. Own it and around it. Even the H2O, the water, will explode. Think of it. Talk about a noise. He said, you think that little noise out here at Tucson was something when he opened the seals that shook the country round about and caused the talk. Wait until this earth receives her baptism. You know, when a man receives a baptism of fire, there's a lot of noise around there. They think that's a shame to hear people scream and shout like that. But just wait until this world gets her baptism. Yeah, it explodes. The H2O, the water, the Bible said in Revelation 21, and there was no more sea exploded. This will change the whole servants of the entire earth. She'll burst and blow to pieces. All the outside, the crust, for hundreds of feet below it will just be completely demolished. The atmospheres, the gases that's in the earth where they're finding these missiles that can't get through it, a, a great spear up there, way up somewhere, some kind of spear that there's all kinds of gases, they say, that are burst. The holy wrath of God will come upon it and will cleanse it and change the entire surface. Now, many of you will want to put this down. The Greek word pass away comes from the word Parakamahi, which means the heavens and earth will pass away. This word means passing from one form to another. 
doesn't mean annihilation. But the English word would mean pass away, it's annihilated. But the Hebrew word or Greek does not mean pass away. It means from passing from one thing to another. Now, notice Paul used it, if you want to read it, put it down later for Titus 3 and 5. He used the same word, means regeneration. A man is passed from a sinner to a saint, not completely annihilated. But when a man is changed, he isn't annihilated. He's a changed person. He's been changed from what he was to what he is, not annihilated. Amen. Now notice now, just the sin and the devils and wickedness is annihilated. Amen. Jesus used the same word in Matthew 19, 28. He said, you'll sit with me in my Father's kingdom, regenerated. You see, changed. When you're changed, he used the same word. He used the same word when he said to the colt, loose the colt, let him go. Said the same thing at the resurrection of Lazarus. Loose him. Change him. He's been tied. Let him go. What does it mean? The earth will be loosed from the grip of Satan. It'll be loosed from its politics. It'll be loosed from denominational religious systems. It'll be used for the kingdom of God to establish it here upon the earth. But as long as it's in the hands of Satan... Satan is the ruler of the earth. He owns it. It belonged to him. But now Christ has redeemed it. One time I was his property, but not now. One time the little little woman at the well was his property, but not now. He came to loose the grip on it. He loosed the grip of sin, of Satan, upon my life, upon your life. And now we're not his. How often have you heard me say in prayer, take your hands off of God's property. Amen. See, you, you, you have faith to claim your own. That's your right. Take your hands off of her. Take your hands off of him. See, faithful do it. Oh, my, not annihilated. See, but, but just take your hands off of it. Loose it. Let it go. Pass, away, pass it away. It changes. The earth will change Politics will change. Religions will change. Denominations will pass away. Politics will pass away. The kingdom of God shall be established. So now we see there have been works of redemption upon the earth as it's come through its baptism of water in the days of Noah. And the blood of Christ was shed upon it in the days of Jesus. But finally, there will come a baptism of fire. Amen. When it does, it'll cleanse the heavens and the earth. And that holy city, New Jerusalem, that John said, I saw a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. And there it will come down and God will dwell here upon the earth with his people. Oh, brother, this is why a day that we look forward to when this earth is cleansed from sin and wickedness and every devil, every demon, every evil spirit, every spirit of lust, every spirit of adultery will all burn in the lake of fire. Amen. Never to come in remembrance anymore. When the earth gets its great baptism of fire, every devil will be cast into the lake of fire. Now, right now the earth is here in its sixth day or it's 6,000 years. If you're controlling the air, give me a little more up here. 
The sixth, it's in its sixth day or its 6,000 year. And soon will go into the millennium. It's, you know, it's the it's seventh day. You see, it'll go into a rest period. Amen. It, we, right now, we are in the sixth day of man or the 6,000 years since time began. Now, you know, I, I want you to get that thought because the earth the earth has been part of God's great eternal plan. And just like you, you're, an, you're a timeless being. But you're here for a, time, for a while in this space called time. You have slipped down from eternity into a place of time. But you came from God and you're going back to God. Amen. Your names were put on the Lamb's book of life before the world ever began. Amen. God knew you were coming. Put your name in there. So you have eternal qualities because you was in God's eternal thoughts. If I can say it to you little children this morning, you are not temporary beings. You are eternal beings. Amen. You just didn't come and existed some 30, 40, 50 years ago on your birthday. But it came. Your existence started way long before that. Because when the stars of God sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy, you were there in his great thinking as he saw you overcoming death, hell, and the grave and being victorious over sin. Hallelujah. Give me a little more sound up here too. Now, when Brother Branham was teaching this in the the future home, he explained about this seventh feast. And we're about to go into that seventh day, which will be the millennial reign. Now, it's not eternity yet because it lasts for a thousand years. It's still in time. Amen. But he explains how the seventh feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacles, where Israel would make booths and live in these temporary shelters or tabernacles as a remembrance of their journey through the wilderness. Brother Branham types the seventh feast with the seventh day of the earth, which is the millennium. We have come from creation through time to now the 6,000 years. It was about 2,000 years God washed it with water. 4,000 years later, he shed the blood of Christ upon it. Amen. We're we're about to come to, uh, again, another 2,000-year period. Our calendar says it's already 2019, but it's, it's a time there or about. It's not an exact hour or time. Those, those, if you go back and you study the dates and the times, some would be early, some late, but, they, but nevertheless, you know, we're right here at a junction. We're over time. Amen. Because the seventh angel has already sounded his message. And the last message of warning has been given to the church. And the message to prepare her to meet the bridegroom has come. Do you believe that? Now, the millennium is not the eternity, but it's still time, thousand years upon the earth. We find this seventh feast being referred to in Leviticus 23, 39. And we we won't read the whole chapter of uh, 23 because it, it covers all the different feasts. Of the Lord. And these, of course, were rich in symbology of what God's great end time plan would be. And 
even the Passover would be a part of his entire plan. Aware that he would show, you know, the lamb and the death of the lamb. It was only reflecting a greater Passover to come. Amen. And we're here again where we're in another Passover hour. Where the death angel is passing over. Are you with me? Amen. Now, notice in Leviticus 23, 39, also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when ye shall be gathered, have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. And on the first day shall be a Sabbath. And on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take unto you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, the branches of palm trees, and boughs of, of um, thick trees, and willows of the brook. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. Now, the feast of the tabernacle, which is a feast, or the, the seventh and last feast, it represents in type the millennium ahead. All right? So where that we like Israel remember our journeyings, they would remember it through the wilderness, but we will remember our journeyings through the earth. And we will dwell in temporary houses or booths or tabernacles. Now, immortals don't need shelters. Amen. Don't need shelters or houses. These houses will be be, will last for a thousand years or throughout the millennium, but they're temporary boosts. And this is what God would have Israel to do when you come into the land. I want you to remember your journeyings through the wilderness where you dwelt in the wilderness in tents. I want you to set up these temporary boosts for seven days and you will have this feast commemorating how I brought you through the wilderness. How I fed you bread and manna. How I provided meat for you. How I brought you to the Red Sea. I want you to remember what I did. And what, you know, what I've done. And you see, the millennium ahead will be like that. It will be a time of remembrance. A time where we're not in slavery, but at home in peace. In the great millennial reign ahead. Isaiah 65, 19 tells about these temporary dwellings that, uh, that will last for a thousand years. And he says, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be heard no more in her, nor the voice of crying. And there shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not filled his days. For the child shall die at a hundred years old, but the sinner being accursed, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. And they shall build houses. Watch this now. What do, what do I say now? Immortals. Now, of course, we won't be sinners. We won't be giving birth to children. But there's other people that will be there as the heathen will be raised during that time that never had the opportunity to hear what you have heard and come to Christ. They'll be given an opportunity. We'll rule and reign over them. The Bible said a thousand years. Amen. This is all Bible. This is not makeup. This is a promise of laying in the word of God. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. 
They shall not build and another inhabit. In other words, Brother Branham would explain it this way. You know, you build and somebody else gets your dwelling. Right now, my mother and dad have passed on and their grandson Joel owns their place. You see, my father built it, another's inhabited. But it won't be there. Amen. This is because there's not going to be any dying or death. We'll live out the whole thousand years that Adam failed to live in. Amen. Because the sin entered in, he died. No man ever lived out the thousand years, but we will. There's coming, amen, a restoration. Hallelujah. Amen. There's coming redemption. Amen. Where we will live out that thousand year period. Is somebody with me? Amen. Oh, it'll be a wonderful time, but it's not the new earth. It's still in time. And there'll be still people in time. But of course, we will be in immortal bodies because we will have already received our change in a moment, a twinkling of an eye. But there will still be people that are there, in, the, in there, that, that as it describes, they will build houses and inhabit it. They'll plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For the, as the days of the trees are the days of my people, and my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. How many wants to be one of those elect? They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth for trouble, for they are the seed. Oh, hallelujah. They are the seed of the blessed of the Lord, and their offsprings with them. You ought to have started shouting right then. Hallelujah. Amen. You're going to be there because you're the seed of the blessed of the Lord. And what else did he say? And their offspring. I wouldn't give up on one of my lost children, my lost brother, my lost sister, my lost daddy, my lost mother. I wouldn't give up on nobody. And they shall be there. And their offspring with them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't matter if you have 12, Sister Rissler. He can make it provision. They can all be there. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. And the wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and the dust shall be the serpent's meat, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you take that promise today? So the seventh day is the Sabbath rest for the earth. After that the earth will have a new beginning. It will revert back to its original condition before sin entered. And God will dwell on the earth with his people. And the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven upon the earth. Brother Branham would describe it. He said eternity is like a perfect circle. It begins and has no ending. And that's eternity. But he said when, when sin entered, 
He said a little piece of eternity dropped down out of that perfect circle called time. He said Satan did not create this, but he said it was a little gap of time. And he says, you know, this is where we're at because of sin. And during this time, God gets that brings all his children forth and gets to manifest himself as redeemer, as savior, as healer, all during this time. But this time won't last forever. Amen. To describe it as Brother Brandon said, one day he will hook to it the rope of salvation. And he will pull time back into eternity again. And there won't be any more time, but it'll be one great eternal day. And the earth will have a new beginning. It will actually go back to its origin. So it's really not new after all. It goes back to its formal state. It's a restoration, not really something new. Are you with me now? But it's new to those who've been in time. Because they've never seen the earth in an eternal condition. Everything on earth is temporary. The trees might outlive you 500 years, the one you plant today, but it's only temporary. It comes to an end. Life always comes to an end. It's time. It's time bound. You're time bound creatures now. You must leave time. You might do it as a 10-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 25, 28, 30. You might be like Brother Rod Carroll, 68 years old and gone. But you're only here for a time in this form. But I'm trying to get to you. You who are children of God, you are of an eternal quality. You may pass away, but you're only changing forms. Hallelujah. Amen. You may move out of time, but you're going back into eternity where you came from. As Brother Branham finishes this with the seven feasts, he says, it looks like I'm out of types. It looks like I'm out of dispensations. Because he come to the last feast and it, isn't, it doesn't look like there's anything in it about a new, a new earth. He comes to the millennium and stops there with the seventh feast. And he begins to talk about this in the future home. He said, you might say to me, I just might feel like somebody might say this to me. Now, Brother Branham, what are you going to do now? You've run out of complete sevens. Where are you going to now? You're dispensationalist, which I am. I believe God is too. Notice you've run out of dispensational types. But if you're going to put it, if you're going to put it in something beyond that seventh day, how are you going to get it? He says, look, all these seven days of the earth, these 6,000 years, they've all been typed out in the feast. But don't look like there's anything past that. Don't even look like there's anything left. And he said, but I want to call your attention to something. No, I ain't. I ain't out of dispensations. I got another. 
Scripture here, remember, all things has, all of it has to be fulfilled, every bit of it. You say, Brother Branham, you're trying to put something beyond that seventh day, that seventh day Sabbath. As the earth, God made the earth labored six days and rested the Sabbath. This was only a type. I just said, here we become eternal. So where is your type now? You said you're a typologist, so you've run out of types. You said, no, I hadn't. Let's just find out if we have. Remember, there were seven feast days, feast of the trumpets, feast of the tabernacle, feast of sheep waving, all these great seven feast days. It was only a type of the seven church ages. You remember how many Sabbaths was between one and the other, seven Sabbaths between Pentecost and the trumpets, which are the seven church ages, which there's not seven Sabbaths between uh, Pentecost and the trumpets. He means Sabbaths between Passover and Pentecost. There was seven weeks which Pentecost means seven weeks or 50 days. And there were seven feast days that represent the seven church ages. So now, Brother Branham, you done run out. You got your seven. All right, let's take the last feast, which is the Feast of the Tabernacle. Notice the 36th verse. This is the same, same chapter there we just looked at. But he says in the 36th verse, seven days. Shall you offer your offerings made of fire unto the Lord? And on the eighth day. What a strange terminology. You know, there's seven days in a week, but there's not eight days. There's 30 days in a month, but where does this eighth come in? On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation. Now, I want you to get this word convocation. Don't let it stumble you. It just means a, a, a gathering. So it was a time that Israel was to gather to the Lord for celebration, for remembering, for worshiping. So he said, on the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall make an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And it is a solemn assembly, means it, and, and you shall do no servile, servile work therein. So he says, now we got an eighth day. Now, there's only eight, seven days, but here we speak of this eighth day, holy convocation, this holy gathering. Notice, do no work in it. The eighth day are what? It's back to the first. Why? It speaks of eternity as she rolls around without a stopping place. So really, there's, there's not eight days in a week. The eighth day is just going back into eternity. As eternity rolls on without a stopping place. Hallelujah. Now, the eighth day is when the earth leaves time and goes back to its beginnings. Back to eternity. Where the new Jerusalem, heaven, comes down upon the earth. And the earth is going back to its beginning. The number eight is a sacred number to God. Like three is perfection. Five is grace. Seven is completion. Eight means new beginning. Amen. And... In the Old Testament feast, 
days that lays a type of the plan of God from time back to eternity again. And we get the term eighth day from the day after the Feast of the Tabernacles. And the, the eighth day is separate and distinct from the Feast of the Tabernacles. God has placed symbolic meaning in counting up to the number eight. The seven-day Feast of Tabernacles can be typed as a journey of the earth through time back to its beginning into eternity. It'll finish its seventh day in the millennium. Somebody with me now? And it'll go back into eternity. It symbolically reminded Israel these seven, this feast day uh, of uh, the Feast of the Tabernacles, as we told you, symbolically reminded Israel of their journey through the wilderness. Leviticus 23, 36. Let's look at it one more time. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto, unto the Lord. And on this eighth day shall be a holy gathering. Amen. A holy gathering. Somebody with me now? Amen. On the eighth day in eternity, we're going to have a great gathering there as the new Jerusalem comes down from God out of heaven. Amen. Now, so you might ask, why don't we just go back to number one after counting to seven? You know, you count seven days, why not just go back to one again? How come the Bible said the eighth day? Because that, you see, this is not what God's portraying. He's not portraying a weekly cycle of time with the Feast of the Tabernacles. In fact, instead, he means it's going to, he's showing what it's going to mean to finally arrive at the eighth day. And what does that mean? What does that number mean? Let's just look through the Bible now for some examples. As we look through the rest of the Bible, we can find various illustrations that will help open us up to us the meaning of that great day. That number eight. In the Old Testament shadows, the Israelites entered into a covenant with God as infants, different from what we do. Of course, you really do too. When you're born again, you're an infant in God. That's when you enter into covenant with God by the Holy Ghost. That's when you get your circumcision. And so Israel did the same thing. They entered into covenant with God as a baby on the eighth day. Is that right? The male children were circumcised and entered into that covenant. Also, the firstborn among animals were redeemed on the eighth day. He would say, likewise, you shall do with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be with its mother seven days. And on the eighth day, you shall give it to me. So there, there again is it written in the symbols of the Old Testament, as Paul said, they're types and shadows of things to come. And then there is where Moses first prepared Aaron and his sons for their service as priests to God. We'll be turning to Leviticus 8.33. And, and this was at the tabernacle after being washed and clothed in priestly garments and sprinkled with blood. They stayed in the tabernacle for seven days. And he says, and you shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation in seven days. This was a day of, days of preparation, washing, cleansing of the priesthood getting ready for their service. Are you with me? 
Amen. So he said, until the day of your days of your consecration are ended. So you see the seven days are time of preparation for the eighth that's coming. Amen. The earth is going through stages of preparation for the eighth day that's coming. Is everybody with me now? Now watch. And he said, for seven days he shall consecrate you. Now after this, the priest came out on the eighth day, made a sin offering for the people. The seven days were times of preparation so that on the eighth day they could begin to fulfill what they had been prepared to do. Are you with me now? The Nazarite vow also included instructions. What do you do if you broke that Nazarite vow? Someone had taken that vow and was um, uh, defiled by accident and gives descriptions of, of how maybe accidentally touching the dead, thus being defiled and unclean. You know, because they were not to drink wine or nor to touch the unclean things and so on like that. It was a Nazarite unto the Lord and it was shown by the hair. This is why God gives the woman today a Nazarite vow. Because it shows a holiness unto the Lord with uncut hair. Are you with me? Now, so the Nazarite vow included instructions. What to do is someone who had taken that vow became defiled by accident or because of circumstances beyond their control. And it included seven days of purification with an offering made on the eighth day. And on the eighth day, it would, it would reconfirm their Nazarite condition of being holy again. I hope you're reading between the lines a little bit and following with me. Because this is what God does to every one of you when he brings you to your eighth day. He takes the defilement of the way and brings you back to holiness again. The steps for cleansing of lepers or other unclean people was also seven days of sanctification. An offering was to be given on the eighth day and on the eighth day the process would be complete. And so the eighth day represents eternity when the sin of the leper is cleansed, when a person enters into covenant with God, and when we finally get home, when we're totally cleansed and the earth is cleansed from sin, there'll come an eighth day. The true eighth day is when the earth goes back to its beginning. It is the fulfillment of everything the eighth day pictures, which is the eternal reign of Jesus Christ. The new heavens, the new earth with all mankind having the opportunity to have been purified and set us apart to live forever, eternally. Now, so as I, as I said, this earth is, our eternity is like a perfect circle and the earth has dropped down into this little gap of time. Satan didn't create it, but it happened because of sin. You see, it's still, we're still eternal. It didn't change our eternal qualities. Come on, when Jesus came from, from the eternals and came as a man, it didn't change his eternal qualities to be here in a time body. And neither does it change your eternal qualities. 
Jesus said, I came from being God and I'm going back to being God. And I tell you, we're only here in the, as, as men for a little short time, but we're going back to our Godhood. Because we came from him and we're going back to him. And we are his offspring. When the earth has its eighth day, it'll be a new dispensation of heavens and earth. A new earth. And God will pull that rope of salvation we talked about and raise the earth right back about a time into eternity. Now, this is typed out in the feast. The feast of tabernacles were a seven-day feast. It represents the journey of Israel from Egypt to the promised land. The Israelites were set up their booths, their branches, temporary dwellings lived through them, in them to commemorate their journey through the wilderness. But on the eighth day, there was a sacred gathering. And the future home, Brother Branham explains it this way, and bear with me just for a little bit as I read what he had to say, because we got a lot to preach about now once we lay this down. Notice, it was also upon this eighth day, last day, feast of the feast day of the tabernacle. Notice after that, after the last feast day, after the last church age, after the last complete seven days upon the earth, after the millennium, that this holy convocation comes. Remember, this is the feast of tabernacles. Tabernacles gathering places. Where in the millennium, the Bible said they'll build houses, they shall inhabit. But a new earth, he's already went and prepared the place. It is built. We have nothing to do with the building of it. Amen, eternal. Oh, I just love that word. Uh, my, uh, a holy convocation, the eighth day, which is only seven days. But then on the eighth day, when, which comes back to the first day again, comes right back to the first day. The eighth day is a holy convocation. Notice seven days only has to do with the old creation, world, time. Um, seven days, that's the millennium. That's the, re- the rest day. God labored six days, rested the seventh. Church labored seventh day, rests the seventh. But you're still in the time element. I ain't speaking of the eternal. But you see, there's no such thing as eight days. When you go back to the first day again, see? The first day, the Sabbath, that's the seventh day, speaks of the old law which was to pass away, and the keeping of a Sabbath, which passed away, or changed, as I've said, changed to one another. It didn't pass away. It just changed from the old law of keeping a certain day of the week. We know it changed to grace. Isaiah would say it this way, of your personal conversion, receiving the Holy Ghost. He said, uh, Isaiah uh, 19, chapter 28, 19, precept, must be upon precept, line upon line. You know, here a little, there a little, but then add to or hold fast to that which is good. For with stammering lips and with other tongues, I'll speak to this people. Amen. For this is the rest wherein I've called the weary to rest. And that is a very type of your very experience with God. When God calls you out of the labor of sins and out from the law of sin and death, and the law becomes past, and you enter into the law of the spirit of life, and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, then you enter into that rest, into eternity with God. Are you with me? Coming back into that eternal condition. Notice you pass from 
death into eternal life. Not days and times have passed into eternity. That's the place we've been gathered to. That's the holy convocation. Seven days, watch, he says, meaning which pass away or have said change to another. Eight days deals with new creation, not old creation. Eight days is a new creation. Is everybody with me now? So see, the eight day deals with the new creation. And when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it isn't the law anymore. Of something you got to keep of thou shalt and thou shalt not. You know, that's the problem with a lot of Christians today. They're still Old Testament Christians. We got to do this and we got to do this and thou shalt and thou shalt not. And they're living by law and they don't have the power to do it. But when you enter into the Holy Ghost, it is an inward law that lays within your heart the law of the Spirit of God. And its nature lives on the inside of you. Just like right now within you, the law of a human is in you. And you live and do and act like a human according to that law of, of, of mankind life. Are you with me? But when the Spirit of God comes into you, it's a new law. The old law passes away. Religious forms pass away. Church membership passes away. Everything else passes away. And you become a new creature in Christ. And old things pass away. Amen. And sin and death and sorrow in the soul is annihilated. Hallelujah. You're a new creature in Christ. Amen. And the things you once did, you do them no more. The life you once lived is now dead and you're alive in Christ Jesus. I tell you, friends, what is it? You have entered into that that eternal quality of eternal life. Notice, it's that when you leave the law and it's Sabbath keeping, become a new creation, being filled with the Holy Spirit, you enter into eternity. Now notice, into eternal life. Get get the distinction. Into eternal life. Because you can look, I can look at you and you can look at me and you know that this is not eternal, this is still temporal. Amen. But eternal life, you have entered into it. Something happened into you that is a representation of who you were. For you go back to your beginning. Are you with me now? Amen. So by being filled with the Spirit, you enter into eternal life, into your eighth day. Back to your beginning. It's it's not the eighth day now. It's like an eighth day. It's just like when the earth will be renovated by fire and this eighth day and we'll go back into eternity. And the same thing happened when you are born again. Amen. Amen. You change from death into life. And the old life passes away like the earth will pass away. And you change from one form to another. One moment you're a sinner and the other you're a sanctified, Holy Ghost, filled child of God. Save to sin no more. Somebody with me now. 
Now there's your holy convocation, Brother Branham said, not having anything to do with literal things. It's beyond that. It's into the kingdom of God with eternal life, with the predestinated that never did start. It never started on any day. You wasn't saved on any day. You was always saved. Amen. Jesus came to redeem that, but you were saved from the beginning because you had eternal life to begin with. Amen. And that's what happens to your soul when you're born again. It has its eight-day experience. It's a new beginning. Now, not your body. Amen. Your body is not born again when your soul is. But your soul has a new beginning. It goes, it is born, birth into its origin, where it came from. Are you with me? And the fire of God comes down and eradicates sin nature. That old serpent of sin nature, where you were born under the serpent's curse. And it eradicates the devil and sin from your life. Hallelujah. Amen. Takes it out of your heart and your soul changes back to how it should have been in the beginning. And you become a new creation. Amen. That's the eighth day, a new creation. Are you with me now? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. That's parakamahi. It changes from one form to another. All things are passed away. See, you're not annihilated. It's sin that's annihilated. And behold, all things become new. See, you've done pass through time and dropped into eternity again. Not the law of keeping days and, and new moons and church membership and all of that, you know, and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. It's not a law like that. You pass from laws unto life. Amen. Passing from death unto life. As Brother Brandon said, oh, what the Bible does teach us. Pass from one to another. Now, do you know Jesus had his eighth day? Amen. Do you know when he raised? Anybody know? He raised on Sunday. And that Sunday was the first day of the week. Is that right? Amen. He, he raised on Sunday, not Saturday. Sabbath, that's the seventh day, the Sabbath. But Jesus rose from the dead huh, on the first day of the week, on the eighth day. Hallelujah. Amen. The creator became his own new creation and changed from human life into, back into immortal life. Change from mortal back into immortality. When? On the eighth day. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you talk about a new beginning. And Brother Branham says it this way. In case you're wondering, in the future home, for it was on the eighth day that our Lord raised from the dead. Jesus raised from the dead for our justification on the eighth day. After the Sabbaths or the seventh days. Jesus raised from the dead, eighth day, which is a holy convocation, 
which is, which is the first day. See, he rose on the first day of the week, which is the eighth day. Amen. Because he, he didn't start time over again. Come on now. He was leaving time and going back in eternity. Listen, when Jesus rose from the dead, he went back to his origin, origin. He went back to his beginning. Somebody with me now. That's where he spent his final moment on the cross. Amen. When he, and, and dropped back into eternity. Remember, he ends those final moments with Passover. And then he goes right into the cross. And there on that cross, he, he enters into uh, and drops back into eternity again. And he arose on that first day of the week, on the eighth day. Amen. And his eighth day, his new beginning. Oh, brother, it was like the earth is going to have a new beginning. It'll explode. And when it does, it'll burn up the, the, the H2O and all the, all the other things and, and change it and transform it, make a new heavens and a new earth. And that day when Jesus, there when he rose from the dead, on the eighth day, there was an explosion. The rocks ripped. The graves opened. Oh, hallelujah. The tomb burst open. And every cell of his body was changed. And out of the tomb he came. Oh, hallelujah. I can't, I can't wait until our body has this eighth day. Amen. When we have our eight-day experience and change in a moment and a twinkle in an eye, you think that was without sensation? Oh, no. When your eyes behold your loved ones and you feel, oh, here's the sensation, you feel that sweep come over you. And the power of God will rip through every cell of your body and change it in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. And then we'll start gathering with the saints and after a while, we'll be traveling like a thought. Oh, hallelujah. I'm speaking tongues right now, but you wouldn't understand what I said. Amen. But oh, that strikes my soul to glory. Now in this form of his resurrection, Jesus no longer needed a boat to go across the sea. Amen. He, he just would appear on the bank. Amen. He didn't have to catch fish. They were just there. And he cooked them on a fire. Amen. He appeared. He disappeared. He didn't need a door to enter in. They're in a locked room. Up there in the upper room, the sack was locked up. And he just appears. Amen. And a moment after, after speaking for him a little bit, he just goes right back through the walls. Gone again. He has passed from time element. Time restraints. Amen. Amen. Because of road closures and things, bridges that are out in my area, it took me 45 minutes to get to church. But Jesus would appear at one place. And that place, because he wasn't in time element no more. Are you with me? He would, he, would, he would start right there where the disciples are locked up, and he would eat fish and honeycomb, and then walk through the walls. 
He would stand, walk seven miles with Cleopas and his friends at the end and break bread like he did before. Wonder how he did it before. He would pull a piece of it off and multiply it. Amen. There's plenty of food for us all. I'll just multiply it to you. And when they saw him do what he had did before, is somebody with me? Amen. Amen. They saw what he did before. They recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Amen. He was back in his origin and he could never die again. He had left from time and then went back into eternity. And time and distance and miles and nothing had any restraints on him whatsoever because he was back into eternity again. Now in Romans 6 and 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead died no more, death hath no more dominion over him. So you see, there couldn't be one cell corrupt. There couldn't be one, one thing. I mean, he could die no more. He had passed back into eternity again in immortal condition. Are you with me? When? On the first day of the week, which is your eighth day. All back again. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, did you know the day of Pentecost? It came seven Sabbaths after the Passover. Somebody with me now? Amen. And then on Sunday, after the seven Sabbaths were over, the seven weeks of Pentecost were over. Is somebody with me? Amen. On the first day of the week, on the morrow after the Sabbath, the seventh day, amen, the church, is somebody still with me? The church had its eight-day experience of eternal life coming down. Hallelujah. The original church had its beginning on the day of Pentecost. And the law passed away. And the church had its beginning. It had its birth. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the church was lifted up into eternal life by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what Pentecost was. It was a day of freedom. It was a jubilee. Hallelujah. It was a day of freedom. It was a day when the death angel had passed over them and death would, and sin would no longer have dominion over them anymore. Somebody with me now. Amen. Man was freed from sin's bondage. He would exodus out of sin into eternal life. When did this happen? On the eighth day. Amen. On the morrow after the Sabbath. They had their eight-day experience. They had, the church had its beginning. They were born like they should have been born to begin with. Because when you're born again, you're not born of the will of man or the will of the flesh or by sex desire, but you're born the way you should have been at the beginning, which gives you an eternal quality with eternal life. Hallelujah. I don't know if I can restrain myself to preach this. I'm trying to let every word sink into you. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. Now, this was not the eighth day. No, but it was like an eighth day that the earth will have 
where the church was lifted up above sin into the power of God. Might take this coat off after all. Amen. Amen. Might as well get ready to stay here. I had a visitor here, saw me take my coat off. He said, I knew he was serious then. (laughs) We was going to be here for a while. I hope you're not in a hurry. I hope you'll realize the hour we're in. We're right here, blending from time into eternity again. We're about, this bride is about to have an eight-day experience and change in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And that's what happens when the seventh church age closes. When the seven days are over, we're changed. Listen, the eighth day, like the eighth day that the earth had, the church was lifted up above sin into the power of God. Let me describe it again. Just like the holy fire of God will strike the earth, the same thing happened to those in the upper room. Here came the pillar of fire like a rushing mighty wind. Come on. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Brother Branham talks about this holy fire. He says it's just not a literal fire. It's a holy fire that will strike the earth. It will take Satan and all its devils. Both heavens and earth, amen, will pass away. Killing all the germs, all the insects, and all the natural life on it around it. Even the water, the H2O will explode. Think of it. Talk about a noise. You know when a man receives the baptism of fire, there's a lot of noise around there. They think it's a shame to hear people scream and shout like that. But just wait until this earth gets her baptism. And when they got their baptism in the upper room, amen, it was an explosion. It was a change from law to grace. And the church would have a new beginning. And they would come out drunk on new wine. Filled with the life of the Lamb. And they walking out under the influence of that. Hallelujah, are you with me? And there was a lot of noise there. Amen. There was screaming and shouting and glorifying God. Amen. Because God had come down and filled his church on the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost is our origin. It is the beginning that we have to return back to before the rapture. It's an eighth day experience. It's not the eighth day now. The eighth day is the new heavens and new earth, but it's the eighth day experience. It's like what the earth will go through. Now, Acts chapter 2 and verse 2. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared upon them cloven tongues like as a fire, 
and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And amen. Some spoke in one language, some spoke in another, some spoke in another. But let me just tell you, you know, we, we don't have any document that they spoke in unknown tongues. At Pentecost, they spoke in known tongues. Because how here we ever man in our own language, them glorifying God. Really, I don't care what tongue you speak in as long as your life glorifies God. But that's what's going to happen when you have your eight-day experience. Your life will glorify God. Hallelujah. There will be an explosion that will demolish sin. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself just a moment. But let's just read it. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Began to speak with other tongues. It caused them to glorify God. I don't care what it is. I don't care how it comes. I don't care if it feels like ice pelts on your back. I don't care if it comes like chills. I don't care about your sensation. What I want to see is your life got changed. And the fire of God burned sin out of your life and made you a new creature in Christ. And you're not the same person you was. Amen. Now, the eighth day is eternity. The New Jerusalem. But there's truly no such thing as an actual eighth day. Just starting a week over again. But the, but I want to get something to you. This eighth day won't start a new week of time. It will be an eternal day that never ends. I'm racing against this clock. From Eden, so far the earth has had six days. Go into its seventh day, the millennium, to start over again. Back to the place before sin entered. The same can be typed of the seven ages. Before the ages began, we started out with Pentecost. Eternal life came down in the form of the Holy Ghost and filled all the house where they were sitting. But about 20 or 30 years later, they lost their first love, just as Eve did, uh, and Satan's knowledge, and received Satan's knowledge over the word of God. That evil leaven, can you catch the key words? Leaven was accepted into the church and brought for the hybrid church. But in the seventh angel's message, here in the last Laodicean age, it has brought us back to eternal life again, to the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, back to the beginning before the creeds and the unbelief of man got in the church. The seventh angel message with, to the last church age has brought us back to a place, not another eight day, but like an eight day. Back to the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost. Back to the original experience again. Amen. As I said, not truly an eighth day, but in type. Here in the last age, at the end of seven ages, we have received a message that returned us back to the beginning. Back to the place before unbelief entered into the church. Before the Trinity doctrine and the wisdom of Satan came in. Back to the original Pentecost. Hallelujah. When it come, 
here at the end of the ages. Amen. Right here in the last day. In the seventh age. Not an eighth age now, but right in the same seventh age. It didn't start a new age. Come on, somebody. Amen. It just gave us, it just gave us an eight-day experience again. It brought us back to the same experience that they had on the day of Pentecost. Before sin ever entered the picture, it brought us back to Paul's gospel once again. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, so you again, again, it happens. How does it happen? Now, I want to bring this one down. It just says that holy fire. Now, wait a minute. I want you to get a picture now. Listen, something very supernatural took place in our day. Listen, in the days of Jesus, angels would break forth from that dimension and announce something that was happening on earth. Ever the whole world didn't see it. The shepherds saw it. Wise men saw the star. Have you seen the star? Have you seen the seventh star to the seventh church age? Amen. It shows your wise men. Amen. What was it to do? To bring you not to the star. The star leads you to Christ. Is that right? Amen. That's the whole purpose of the star coming, to guide you to Christ. It don't point you to the star. A lot of people have made a star out of Brother Branham and making him an object of worship. God didn't want you to worship the star. God wanted you to worship the Christ. Amen. But now, here we come. You know, right here, again, angelic happenings, breaking from eternity right into this dimension of time. Brother Branham, I'm going to quote him back again. Because at the opening of these seven seals, the reveal of the mystery, the revelation that come in this last day, it was nothing short of supernatural. The seven thunders of Revelation 10, the voices of God that had been sealed up to the end time would be revealed and there would be things written in the word. Just hid because the denominational age is sealed away. Are you with me? Notice, as, I'm quoting this again from Future Home. Just as, a, you know, let me prefer it, just, just as the holy fire will strike the earth, that will take away Satan and all of his, all the devils, both heaven and earth, amen, will pass away, killing all germs, all in, insects, all natural life on it and around it, even the H2O, the water will explode. Think of it. Talk about a noise. You think that little noise out here in Tucson was something when he opened those seals. That shook the country around about and calls the talk, wait until this earth receives her baptism. So he takes and he points over at that beginning with a new beginning right here where the church, by the opening of the seven seals, come on somebody, amen, does what? Enters back into life again. 
goes back to its original condition, go back to its eighth day again, goes back to an eighth day experience, happens right here in the seventh church age. Amen. Not a new age dawning. It's the same age, but changing from death to life, from Pentecostal traditions to the Word again. Passing, oh my, heavens and earth will pass away, Paracomia. Yeah, again, it's a passing away. It's the change of the form. And we've changed from Azusa Pentecost into the last day end time message. Amen. And when it did, seven angels came from heaven. And there was a thunders roared out. Come on, shook the heavens and the earth around. Somebody with me. Right out there in Tucson. It was a little noise compared to what the great explosion is going to be when the earth is renewed way over on the other side of the millennium. But nevertheless, it was an explosion. And from that explosion of seven seals, it began a chain of end time events. Hallelujah. Amen. Ending the time for this. Ending the time for that. Ending time and breaking us back into eternity again. Getting us ready for our translation. I say what an hour, what a time, what a message, what a day. Amen. What an eight day experience that the church has had in this last day. Moving from laws and denominational tradition back to the word again. Talk about noise. Seven angels came screaming out a message. Amen. That's the Lord descended from heaven with a shout. He said, that wasn't the Lord descending. It certainly was. His coming is in three. Shout, voice, and trumpet. The trumpet, our bodies are changed. But before that he comes, the Lord sends down. He comes down and anointing comes down in Malachi 4, the Elijah prophet, to turn the hearts of the children back. To its beginning, back to its beginning, back to an eight-day experience. Amen. And when it does, it burns up every creed, every dogma, every idea, man. It eradicates it. It changes every cell of it and brings you back to the original message that Paul preached. Hallelujah. What a day. What an hour. What a message we've got. You can't make this stuff up. It's in the Bible. Rip those seals of traditions, man-made doctrines off the Bible. And Brother Branham said this way. He said, it made the Bible a new book to me. Amen. Listen, it didn't change what was written It just changes how we view what was written. Amen. The revelation of Godhead doesn't change what's written. It just changes how you view what is written. Instead of having polar vision or whatever vision that is, where you see a double vision or triple vision, where you see three gods, they all come into one when you get focused. It ripped the seals of traditions. Took us back to our origin. origin. Now we have the word of God back just like Paul preached it. 
And anybody who preaches something different than Paul preaches under a curse. That's why these systems of man are cursed. And God couldn't curse it till he brings Paul's gospel back again. And he vindicates it and he shows it and he proves it. With signs and wonders to show what is the truth. Who is the messenger. Sets him apart. This month shall begin, be a beginning of months. This month is a new beginning. Right now. While the death angel passes over, we are not ending either. We are going back to our beginning. So as he would say to Israel, you know, Israel, this is not your end. This is the marking of your new beginning. You're being brought back to the beginning again. Amen. You're leaving slavery and going out like you were at the beginning, free men. You're leaving Egypt and you're going back to your homeland, free men. Amen. You're going, you're having a new beginning. Oh, hallelujah. You remember when you had that beginning? Amen. When you left sin? Amen. Oh, you talk about shouting when you realize your enemies was dead. That the death angel didn't get you. That you got sealed to the day of redemption behind the blood. Hallelujah. And you had a new beginning. And old things passed away. And behold, all things become new. What a new beginning. You were born like you should have been. Now, remember, the early church lost something. The origin of the church was Pentecost. So if we're going to go back to our beginning, we have to go back to Pentecost. Well, now, Brother Tim, I'll tell you, you know, we, they, you know they, this is not the day of Pentecost or the repeat or the return. We're beyond that. We got something different. Yes, we do. We have more than just the Holy Ghost coming down. The Pentecostals, you know, represented having spirit baptism. They represented that again. We have more than that. Because this has truly taken us back to our beginning. Pentecost didn't do it. Azusa Street didn't do it. It only took you back. In fact, when it began, it even started with the Trinity Doctrine. It was only a few years later they come out with the oneness. And they still didn't have it right. But there again, we come down to this end time and God is putting everything back in order again. Bringing it back to its beginning. Back to, to Paul's gospel. Whether we again understand serpent seed, predestination, eternal security, all of the different truths that Paul spoke about in the Bible. Amen. The Bible as Paul taught it. We have been brought back through the opening of the seals back to our origin. Not to something different, but back to our origin. Not to a new gospel, the same gospel. Amen. Are you getting tired? All right. Well, then, I'm not tired either. In fact, I'm pretty energized right now. Amen. Listen, church. You remember they, they, in the early first age, they were already forgetting. Amen. They had lost their first love. And God says, remember where you've fallen from. And they were already a fallen church in the first age. Well, it didn't take long for that. And for men to come in, corrupt the truth. False, false disciples come into the church. 
weaving their way in just like they'll do in the last days. Amen. But the message has turned us back to our point of origin, to our beginning, back to Pentecost. Amen. Now, not like Azusa Street just representing the spirit moving and shouting and emotion, but more than that, back to the word. Now, the resume of the ages, he said, what about the true seed? It will happen just as we said. The people of God are being made ready by the word of truth from the messenger to this age. In her will be the fullness of Pentecost. Say fullness of Pentecost. For the Spirit will bring the people right back to where they were at the beginning. That is thus saith the Lord. Amen. The Spirit will bring us right back to where we were at the beginning. That's thus saith the Lord. Not to something different, but back to our beginning. See, it ain't getting a new message. It's the message we heard from the beginning. Now, again, sir, as we would see Jesus, and I love this quote. He said, then if the word promises that this is to happen in the last days, the spirit of Elijah is to even return in the last day. That's right. Upon these people, and he'll turn the hearts of the father's children back to the father's doctrine, the principles of the Bible. And they got away in denomination, organization, and the great power of God is to come upon the people. Oh, and the great power of God is to come upon the people with a master of peace that will send their hearts back to remembering that he still remains God and that he is God. Jesus promised the things he did, his believers would do it. The works that I do shall you do also. But now some of these these self-styled eighth agers are wanting to take you away from the seventh church age and the seventh angel's message and, and that leads to death because it's like Eve was offered a new message. But I just want to say to you, don't leave the seventh angel's message. We don't leave this church age into the rapture. This is not another age. The bright age is just a time within the seventh age under the seventh angel's message where the bride has experienced the explosion like the earth will have in his eighth day which ripped the seals of the book and pulled the people out of the Azusa movement into the bride. It's the death angel who wants to come around today and add wild gourds to the pot, coaxing you like the serpent who use quotes to lead the purity of the prophet's message and turn the church into making it vulnerable to the death angel. And I'll tell you what, it is. It is. Amen. I just got to notice moderate rain is going to fall in 25 minutes. I say, Lord, send the rain. My radar in the spirit realm said it's about to rain this morning. Hallelujah. It's raining down word after word. That doctrine shall fall as the rain. 
And I believe that God is bringing us back to true doctrine because I'll tell you, false doctrine will not bring forth a pure, spotless church. It brings us to a hybrid church by mixing the leaven of reasoning and adding knowledge. Amen. Now, that's what the serpent did. He mixed his knowledge with God's word and it brought forth death and a hybrid seed. And that's why we're here in sin and we drop down from eternity into time. Then God separated Eve's evil Cain from Adam's righteous Seth. But then later the two lines would cross and the hybrid again, the mixing of the sons with the daughters of men. And it brought forth an age of great knowledge where the hearts of men were on evil continually. What was it? It was, it was a hybrid bunch. Jesus would bring the pure gospel. And that's what Paul preached. But afterwards, there were men who began to read between the lines and mixed their wisdom, puffing up the word to make it more platable, easier to eat. You know, a little leaven leavens a whole lump, but it makes the bread a little more delightful. But listen, Brother Branham, in the Ephesian age, he said, what the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable right. Originally, she had the pure word of God. She had the power of the Spirit manifest in diverse signs and wonders and gifts of the Holy Ghost. So the message of the Bride Age is not a new message. The Bride Age is not an eighth age. It is not even an eighth day. But as or like the eighth day of the earth will turn back to the beginning, even so in this seventh age, under the seventh messenger, we have returned back to the beginning. And our beginning was at Pentecost. Amen. In fact, in fact, of the matter is, I'm going to just share you with you the first time Brother Bradham talks about bride age. He says, hallelujah, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. See what I'm talking about. It was waved over the people. And the first time, there will come first for the bride age, for resurrection out of dark denominationalism, will be a message that the pure, pure the, the full maturity of the word has turned back again. Oh, listen to this. Turn back again. Turn back again. The maturity of the word, full maturity has turned back again in its full power. That's the message. Amen. That, the, that, that we went back to our beginning. Not a new message. Not something different. But the same message. Amen. Turn back to his full power. So the maturity of the word has turned back again. This is a resurrection. It is not a replacement with another message. This is like an eighth day where all the unbelief of the ages are dead and left behind. It is not a reformation. It is a resurrection. Are you with me? There will come forth for the bride age will be a message. Amen. Now, if the bright age has a message, how could it be something different from the seventh angel's message? It'd have to be the Laodicean message. The message of the bright age came through the seventh angel in the seventh church age. So if you claim to have a message and it's different from the seventh angel's message, if it's different from the message to Laodicea that promises white raiment and eye salve and a gold-like character of deity, then it's a message of death and not of life. 
if it dresses you with arrogance and pride instead of humbleness and sweetness and humility of the Holy Ghost. It is, it is a message of death, not the message of life. It's the same arrogance of Cain who refused to repent. Amen. And the masterpiece, Brother Branham, would be, he would tell about the vision of the bride. He said, I saw her come. And he said, after a while, here come that same lady. And he says, see, now the true bride has come again, the seed, the original word, again. Can we get this? Again. Not a new message. Not something different than Paul preached. The, the original word, again. The Alpha and Omega is the same. I'm Alpha and Omega. He never said in between, uh-huh, I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. So he says the last and the first will all be the same. In between, we got Luther and Wesley and all these other churches down to the ages, but the first church and the last church is going to be the same. The bride at the beginning is going to be the same bride at the end. Are you with me? And then he says the first ministry and the last ministry is the same. The first message and the last message is the same. I am, I I'm, was an alpha, I'm an omega. So you see, the first message and last message is the same. What I'm trying to say is it is changing back like the earth will change back to its condition before sin entered in. When you, were, when you were born again, your soul was changed back to the way you should have been at the beginning. Come on. And here the church was born on the day of Pentecost, and this last day church will be changed back to what she was on the day of Pentecost. Making the Alpha and the Omega church the same. Are you with me? Now, Paul had the full revelation of the word. Nothing of the word was a mystery to him. Every truth was revealed that needed to make a mature grain. Now, Paul didn't need the seals to be opened to bring the bride's message. We needed those, those, message, those mysteries because those were truths lost to the church. Paul would die at the chopping block shortly after the first age began, and so the grain would be planted. And for, by the time the first age would close off, much of what Paul taught would have been changed or altered as the false vine began to flourish. Thus the ages would roll on and the original understanding of the scripture would be almost entirely lost. That's the way we came down to this last age. But now in this seventh age, when the ages are over and the fullness of the Gentiles has come, God moves to fulfill Malachi 4. And by his ministry, oh my, he does what? He turns the heart back. Not to something different, back to the faith of the fathers. And by this ministry, we understand the word exactly as Paul taught it to bring his church back to its beginning like an eighth day. So now, I've just got a couple of more points on this. Hang on. Yeah. I know your word. I'll go past two. It's okay. It'll be okay. And once in a while, Brother Donnie preaches about those preachers who preach a long time. I'm one of them. Amen. I'm one of them. So, Brother Donnie, hold your horses. 
Amen. The messenger, the angels, to the church of Ephesus was the apostle Paul. Listen to this. That he was the messenger to the first age of the Gentile era cannot be denied. Though to Peter was given, granted the authority to open the doors to the Gentiles, it was given to Paul to be their apostle and prophet. He was the prophet messenger to the Gentiles. Say that with me. Paul was the prophet messenger to the Gentiles. His prophetic office by which he received the full revelation of the word for the Gentiles, authenticated him as their apostolic messenger. Now, Paul would set the pattern for all the other ages. And the messengers were chosen as how close they were to Paul's teaching, which many of them had, most of them had varied, but took the closest one to be the messengers, like Luther, Wesley, whatever. They were the closest in their time to Paul with the most truth. But now I want to ask you, he received the full revelation of the word for the Gentiles. Are we Gentiles? Somebody help me. Are we Jews? No, are we Gentiles? Is that what we are? Then Paul is still our prophet messenger. He is a messenger to all of us Gentiles. Yeah, Brother Branham was a messenger to the Gentiles of Laodicea, but Paul was a messenger to the Gentiles from Pentecost to the rapture. And Paul's message is just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago because it wasn't a temporary word until more can be understood. It was the eternal word of God. Amen. Then the last age would have a prophet messenger also. And he would preach the same word that Paul preached. This is something Luther couldn't say. Luther couldn't say, I preached what Paul preached. He could say, I preached some of what Paul preached. Wesley could not say that. Don't want to make anybody mad, but Azusa Street can't say that. Amen. But when Brother Branham went beyond the curtain of time, which happened to be, curtain of time is when he went into, from time into immortality. Amen. That would happen to be his death. This is when you'll be gathered with your prophets. Amen. He stood there and they said, you're going to be judged for what you preached. And we're going to be judged with you. And he said, well, will Paul have to be judged? He said, yeah, Paul will have to be judged. He said, well, praise God, I preached just what Paul preached. And heaven answered back. We know that. And we're resting on that. I wish a half of the preachers around the message today knew that, that he preached what Paul preached. Amen. He didn't add anything to it. It isn't something taken away. It is the original gospel. Amen. It brought us back when the Bible was unsealed. The mysteries were taken off the book. And now we see things exactly the way that Paul saw. And what Paul preached produced a wheat that was ready for the garner, but God ordained it to be planted. But he's ordained us to be raptured not go down on the ground again because the cycle of time is up. We're going back into eternity. 
before the week is over. Hallelujah! I said hallelujah! That only sound down in our hearts today where we stand. It's a new beginning. It's back to our origin. It's back to where we came from. Once more, God will reveal. He said there's a prophet in the land. Once more, God will reveal the truth as he did to Paul. In the days of the seventh messenger, in the days of the Laodicean age, its messenger will reveal the mysteries of God as revealed to Paul. The mysteries of God as revealed to Paul. Paul would say... I want to present you as an untouched virgin, but I fear just like the serpent beguiled Eve and beguiled her and took her from her virginity so you will lose yours. You won't be a virgin bride, but you'll be carrying the seeds of man. And that's why there's a whore in the book of Revelations because they're carrying the seeds of another man other than the husband Christ she's supposed to be married to. She's called a whore. And her daughters have been trained just like her. Started out as a Catholic church, a whore who polluted the word, took in seeds of man and hybrid a child and brought forth Catholic children and Methodist children and Baptist children and blasphemous names. We're not to be called by names of blasphemy. It's blasphemous to be called by any other name than the name of Jesus. And they don't even want to take on his name. Because they're not married to him. They're modern woman. Oh, I'll keep, I'm, I'm a Methodist Christian. I'm a Baptist. They hyphenate their name. They don't want to lose their identity. They're modern woman. Anointed by the evil spirit. Blasphemous names. I'm not trying to be ugly. But I want to just bring it back to you again. I want to tell you about a bride that he talks about. How tragic it is this first age did not listen to the spirit but listen to man. But thank God. In the last age, that's the seventh one, there will be a group rise up. The true bride of the last day, that's the seventh one. And she will listen to the spirit. In that day of gross darkness, the light will return by the pure word. And we will return. To the power of Pentecost to welcome back the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as the heavens and the earth one day will be burned off in an explosion taking place. Are you with me? It will welcome the new Jerusalem to come down. And even so here in this very time. Are you with me now? In this eighth, in this eighth day time. This eight-day experience, what does it do? It's prepare the people who will welcome back the Lord Jesus Christ, not build another denomination, but welcome back Jesus to the earth. Return to the power of Pentecost. Mm. Brother Branham would say the opening of those seals was to bring back the scattered word. 
been scattered. Each denomination had a part of it. It would bring it back. He said that was only made possible when God sent the seven seals and gave us a sign by it. Send seven angels down out of heaven to come and bring back the scattered word and then denominations and tie it right back into his word of God again to bring down his Holy Spirit. If you abide in me and the words of my word abide in you, then you will ask what you will. It shall be done. Uniting the word back. Look at these words. Back with the word which is God. The church and the word, not the church and the creed, the church and the word, the bride and the word united together. What? Restore back what? The faith of the original Pentecostal fathers. See, that had been scattered by Luther's group, not Luther himself, not Luther, not Wesley, not those great founders, but after they're going away, a church raised up, and that's what happens even now. We got men rising up, and we got a new age. We got a bright age out here that's, Something different from the seventh angel and the seventh age. And they're leading people out. This is what Joe Coleman did. He pointed, we went a realm higher. We took it higher. We went beyond this Laodicean message and the messenger, the seventh angel. We're, we're up here. We got something different. We got something more. And it's death. There's carnage of churches and people with messed up lives, dying, filthy, and sin, because there's no power of the blood to cleanse them from sin, because the Holy Ghost is not there. What did we say in Malachi 4 would restore? Restore back to the original Pentecostal faith. This is a united time and sign, 63, August 18th. Back to the people with the same Pentecostal message. The same Pentecostal evidence. The same God, the same power, the same teaching, same exactly with the vindication of the same pillar of fire that struck Paul down on the road down to Damascus among us today doing the same thing. Now, quickly, Luther tried to bring the pure word, but men afterward mixed their wisdom and hybrid his church, and Luther's bread soon became leaven. Wesley tried to bring the pure word, and men afterwards mixed their wisdom and hybrid his church, and they had leaven. Azusa started out desiring the pure word and even named themselves Pentecostal after the original. But men soon mixed their wisdom, and they've hybrid the church. Same serpent, surely you won't die. Well, healing has died. A true new birth has all but died. And I'm not just talking about Pentecostal and Baptist and Methodist. I'm talking about even message churches. The true atonement of the blood and the bleeding sacrifice and the truth of that has all but died. How? By reading between the lines and making something different than what God originally spoke. Don't do it. Don't do it. Brother Branham said, in God of this evil age, 
He has, she has caused the whole world to accept the scientific leadership of the educational program that Satan has given to her under the name of a church, the leadership of an educational scientific program. He said, I'm picturing you the God of this world. When she as Eve had the very filling of God's word in her hand, she could have took God's word, but what did she do? Instead of tarrying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, she let science prove to her that the Holy Ghost was only for the disciples. And instead of keeping divine healing going, when she ought to be now raising the dead and doing great miracles, she has let Satan under his leadership of religious men take the word of God and try to say it was for another age, and she's believed it. Turn around, only Brother Branham can see a vision. Oh, I don't want to hear some superman give some testimony. We got a super church. It's got to be a super church. But Satan has tried to twist the wisdom. Today, we don't need the Holy Spirit. So, well, we got to see Gene of God, Brother Tim. We don't need the Holy Spirit, you see. We don't need that baptism. It, 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 it won't save you. It will if you've got a seed in you. If you're a predestinated seed of God, it takes the germination of the Holy Spirit or it'll never come to life. I mean, just because you're predestinated seed don't mean you don't need a Holy Ghost experience. You've got to be born again. That seed has got to be brought to life. It's laid dormant in you since the day you were born. It's so you always were. It was in you there by predestination. You didn't know it was there. I didn't know it was there. The devil didn't even know it was, it was there. But God did. Amen. And he sends a baptism of the Holy Ghost to come and quicken that seed to life. You say, well, everybody, the Holy Ghost comes on ain't seed. That's right. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, and sometimes a seed will fall, and on non-seed, there's nothing to quicken. But you that's got a seed in you, it quickens you to life. It empowers you and gives you a new beginning. And it bursts you back to what they were on the day of Pentecost. And it ain't without sensation either. It's an explosion. Hallelujah, sin passes away. Darkness passes away. Well, I know you got a quote on that, and I don't have time to bring it out this morning, but let me tell you, friend, let let me tell you, you're only reading half the quotes when you say, oh, well, you know, it's without sensation. It is not a sensation, but sensation comes with it. Amen. It ain't just an explosion, but, brother, it's the fire of God coming down and cleansing the life. It ain't just a noise of somebody running up and down the aisle and screaming and shouting and impersonating a real, a real gift. No, it's, it's more than that. It's the Holy Ghost coming and you pass from death into life. Old things pass away and behold, all things become new. Just recently in South Africa, they're having a conference for the youth. We just had something more than a conference. We had a we, we had a, a, a youth camp for the kids, seen the Holy Spirit come down, baptize people, demons cast out, sick healed. But in this one, this is a message, message group. We call it a youth conference because it's not a meeting with song service items. That's what they call special songs and preaching. There will be no preaching going on. Can you imagine? We're going to call a conference with God and there's no preaching. How in the world can you have a, a, a conference with God and there'd be no preaching? Preaching casts out devils. When the word is preached, demons are cast out. People get saved. 
Well, if you ain't going to have no preaching, you ain't going to have no salvation. So you're just going to come together and talk about your sins. So we're going to spend four to five hours. And you think, I've been long this morning? These are with the youth. We're going to spend four to five hours discussing the following points. The role of sexual development in the youth. The role of sexuality. Why message youth are so vulnerable. Sexual addictions, addictions and pornography. Discussing the possible solutions for their problems. This is not a Baptist church. This ain't, this ain't the promise keepers. This is a message, so-called message preacher. That's why I call him so-called. He ain't born again. There is, and then they acknowledge, there is a major epidemic with regards to fornication, pornography, and rising of homosexuality in our churches, and I wonder why. Because there's no sin cure preached. We're just going to have an AA meeting and talk about our problems, talk about our sexualities, and, you know, what? The organizer of this event further said... Calls himself a minister. I do not support the statement, they must get the Holy Ghost and then it goes away. You don't think the death angel's coming? Here he is. Amen. They would rather have an intellectual talk than to have the power of the Holy Ghost. In the message, third exodus, Brother Brandon said the church feels it don't need the Holy Spirit. The churches will tell you that. That's what he just said. And men can stand up and give you such an intellectual talk and almost make you believe it. Now let's stop just a minute. Didn't Jesus say the two would be so close together it would deceive the very elected if it was possible? The intellectual talks would be so smooth that it would deceive the people. It's gospel. It's men who can handle that word in such a way they can almost make any intellectual person, if you're just trusting in their intellectual, they would condemn the Holy Spirit and take the way of man. And I'll tell you why. Sin issues aren't going away when you are saying you got the Holy Ghost by believing the message. Because what you're calling the Holy Ghost is an intellectual conception. Nothing more than a cheap Baptist profession of faith that you accepted Christ or accepted the message. So you're saved. 1964, God's provided way. That's what's the matter today with the people. A new birth, they'll all dodge it. They don't like it. They've substituted something for the new birth. Come up and believe. That's all you have to do. The devil believes himself. And you know he's not born again. There's a new birth. There's something goes with it. Hello? It ain't emotion, but there is something that goes with it. It's a kind of unfitting, untasting to the world. Any birth is a mess. I don't care where it is. It's in a pig pen, a, a hospital. A birth is a mess, and so is a new birth. It'll make you didn't do things you didn't think you would. It'll make you get down at the altar and cry and scream and wash the paint off your face and raise your hands and praise God, speak in tongues and all kinds of things. The new birth will do that because it's God's provided way to be born again. But you gotta die. You got to die before you can be born. And that's the problem. People don't want to die and to sin and to their own ways. But that fire of God has got to come and burn sin desire out of you. 
and it's an explosion as new life comes into you. Amen. Let me tell you, if you get the Holy Ghost, sin goes away. You don't believe me? Paul taught this, Romans 6, 6. Come back to Paul's gospel. Knowing this, our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth or from now on we should not serve sin. He that is dead is freed from sin. So they're not getting them dead enough. So new life can come. What they need is an eight-day experience. Come on, I'm talking about a Pentecostal experience. Amen, I'm talking about where, where all the germs, all the sin, all the unbelief, all the cigarettes, the pornography, it all burns up. And you're born anew, a new creature. Are you with me? Amen. And when a man receives a baptism of fire, there's a lot of noise around there. They think that's a shame to hear people scream and shout like that. Well, I don't think it's a shame. Amen. I think it's a part of the process. Amen. When a baby is born, if it don't scream and holler, it's a dead baby. Come on, somebody. And when you're born again by the Holy Spirit, if you don't rejoice, amen, and glorify God, and it don't change your life and give you a new beginning, you're a dead baby. And that's what's the matter with these message churches around here today. They're bringing forth dead children. They're dead to God, not dead to sin. The Holy Spirit... Oh, Brother Tim, today comes so quietly, you, you don't even know when it came. Oh, you just walk with God and just kind of evolve into the Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Ghost is a definite experience. You show me one time in the Bible, just show me one time, one place where they got the Holy Ghost, and it was this quite easy believism. Just read it. I'm not all the way, every occasion the Holy Ghost came. It wasn't that way. Amen. Every time it happened, the Bible said it was a noise, an explosion, a burning out of sin's desire. Question and answer is number two. He was asked, Brother Branham, about the Holy Ghost. And I'm paraphrasing here. What manifestation is known? He said, well, could you imagine a mother giving birth to a baby and not knowing it? She'd have to be unconscious not to know it. Neither can you receive the Holy Ghost without knowing it. There's something to take place in you. There's something that changes you. Your whole system, your whole spiritual system is made new again. And you become a new creature in Christ. As the Bible said, puts it, a new creature, creation in Christ. Amen. See, something takes place in you. Oh, I can, I can go on. But anyway, Brother Branham said, you see, you cannot, this is his word, 64. You cannot receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost without having an experience when it happens. Now you say, I believe every speck of the word. You say, you say you believe every speck of it, but the word's laying there waiting for the Holy Spirit to put it to work. It takes the lighting of the candle. Here's a candle with the wick, but the, the tallow, everything's in it to have, that, have it in that candle. But until that fire comes on, it'll not shine any light. And no matter how perfect the candle is, how perfect it'll burn and everything, it's got to be lit and then it burns. 
and when you believe and you're made up of the instructions of what the Holy Spirit is, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, fruits of the Spirit, that bears it out, until the Holy Spirit, with a fiery experience, comes down and lights that candle, then you haven't received the Holy Ghost. See, you have to have the experience to have the Holy Ghost. Oh, no, it's not a sensation. This is not back to the Pentecostal sensation again, but back to the original. Amen. Notice, as Brother Branham said, he shall restore the hearts of the children back to the fathers, bringing a restoration again of the Pentecostal genuine, not sensations, but, and will manifest the evening light, the same sun that showed in the morning light as promised for the day. So the new birth births you into eternal life. Now, I'm skipping. I'm going down. I'm going to leave out some things. Amen. But I, I want you just to get it. Listen, let's get it clear. When Brother Brandon said the Holy Ghost came upon people as he preached, they walked out with women that were buck naked there in, the, in his meetings there in, in, in Africa, covered themselves under the presence of the Holy Spirit and walked out. Amen. Brother Branham tells us about the token. When the token comes, it'll make a man a man and a woman a woman. Make a man masculine and a woman feminine. It'll take that perverted spirit away from you. We got the cure for homosexual. We got the cure for sex sins and pornography. Amen. Listen, he says, you, you think a person says, I'm a believer. Let the gospel light strike them, brother. They'll take it right now and they'll show results. You'll not see that man anymore in the tool rooms. You'll not see him out there in the cigarette in his hand. You won't see him drinking. Let me just add, you won't see him in movie houses. God has sat down with all this filthiness of the world, taking an ever devil. Come on. You won't see him do that. You won't see him flirting with other women. No, no, I don't care how much they throw their female flesh before him. He'll turn his head toward the skies and look toward Christ. It shows the remedy took effect. Even Brother Branham didn't know what to tell him. He said, a young man came to me. I got a boy 16, another young boy. He said, both they're little males. What can I tell him? He says, sirs, I don't know. He didn't have nothing to tell him. What, can, what is somebody else, what is one of these smart egghead preachers in the message going to tell them? That ain't going to preach, ain't going to have a song, ain't going to have an altar call, ain't going to have the Holy Ghost there. What's he going to tell them? He might tell them something, it might, it might promise to live true and not do this no more, not do that, and I'll be true. It'll last a month or two. But this will change you. I'm just about through. I'm just about through. If you know what goal I'm reaching for, I'm reaching for 2.30, so hang on. I'm going to try to be done by then. Yeah, I, I'm a little over time. That's okay. This is burning on my heart. This is really important. Amen. He said, sir, I don't know. Take them to Christ. Let them get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and they'll turn their heads to the modern striptease. Amen. He said in thinking man's filter, he said when you get that thinking man's filter, which is the Holy Ghost, it'll filter out sin. He said God's filter 
When his mind is filtered through the word of God, God's filtered, he won't look upon her. He won't think she's pretty. He'll think she's a Jezebel. He'll think behind those red lips is poison fangs that would sting him. And the Bible says her gates is the gates of hell. And a man walks into them like an ox going to his slaughter. There's the thinking man's filter. What do you desire when the woman comes down the street dressed like that? And you men turn your head and gaze around like that. You're not using the thinking man's filter. Because when you do that, you're committing adultery. Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already. Turn your head, thinking man. Get away from her. She's not pretty. She's a serpent. That's right. She twists like one. She acts like one. She stings like one. Keep away from her. Amen. Yes, the word of God is a thinking man's filter. And that's what your soul is still filtered through is the word of God. So it's the whole lamb. It's the whole lamb, the bread, unleavened bread, and it brings you to a holy life. It's the Passover. It's going back to the beginning. This is a Passover. Church, we're in a Passover. The death angel is passing by. There's a real death angel. The token must be applied. You must be eating the lamb. Go back. Passover, go back to the beginning. And I heard that sweet music come again. She used to be the same bride, the same kind, out of the same material she was in the first place. Read Malachi 4 and see if we're not supposed to have a message that it turned the hearts of the children back to the fathers, back to the original Pentecostal message, word by word. Brothers, we are here. Hallelujah. We're in a time like the eighth day. A new beginning. Here, the 11th hour workers, as Brother Branham said, they received the same pay that the first hour workers did. Seventh angel message opens the mysteries of the seventh seal, calling the 11th hour workers to receive the same pay that the first hour workers got. So perfectly, how the first hour messengers with the word, with the gospel, with the truth that came in at the day of Pentecost and the evening message is to restore back again, back to the same thing again. It brings us back to the beginning. I'm bringing it down. Stay with me in these next few minutes. It brings us back to our beginning. The eighth day, is when the earth will explode and it will go back to its original condition. It'll leave time of the of this 7,000 years, even millennium's time, 1,000 years, and it'll go into the eighth day of eternity. The eighth day in type. On the eighth day, Jesus arose. In type on the eighth day, the church at Pentecost had its beginning. That's its origin. In type here at the last of the ages, as the seventh ages complete, like an eighth day, we have returned back to our beginning. Finally here, when the seventh age is completed, I want to get this to you. We, and we have arrived at the seventh church age. How many believes that? 
And now we're at the end of it. I mean, believes that. And the messenger has now come and gone and has deposited the message. And we have come through seven days or seven church ages. And we're about to leave from time into eternity. Not into another age, but into eternity. Not into another age called the bride age, but into eternity. We're about to enter into eternity. Now the rapture, it's the seventh church age, Brother Branham said, in the rapture message, this is one of his last sermons. Now it's the seventh church age that takes the rapture. So you got to be in the seventh age to take the rapture. All the other six died. Enoch was translated because he was not found. God took him. But Enoch raptured and was a type of them, of the rest of them dying. Of the type of all the rest of them dying. But the end time bride will be called out. The rapture without death will be called out of the seventh church age, which we are now bearing record of that age. So we're bearing record of this last age. We're not bearing record of being lukewarm, powerless, formal, backslidden. We're bearing record of gold, Christ-like character, white raiment, eyes out, open eyes, the word returned, and the promise to sit with him on his throne. We're leaving here for the throne. We've arrived at the last feast, the seventh one. Brother Branham would say this, and this is a direct quote. We are worshiping under the Feast of Tabernacles, the seventh feast. So this is it there again, paragraph 454, future home. The Feast of Tabernacles was the last feast, the seventh feast, and we are now worshiping now under the Feast of Tabernacles, the seventh church age. That's where we are. We are here in the last day of our journey. We have journeyed from Pentecost to here, but we're going back into eternity. So, Brother Tim, we've already had our eighth day when we were born again. Sure, you had a time like an eighth day. The earth will have its eighth day. Jesus had its eighth day. All of this, a leper's cleanse on the eighth day. All these eighth day. But we're about to do something. This bride is about to go from the seventh and last church age into the eighth, we're about to leave from time into eternity. We're here now in the last feast day. The next day is going to be like the eighth. How many is with me now? Follow this. It's a holy convocation. It's a gathering. That's what a group of eagles is called. A group of eagles is called a convocation. Amen. And as eagles, we're about to go into a holy convocation, a holy gathering, where we'll be gathered with the saints of all the seven ages for a rapture. Oh, my. Listen, there's a gaggle of geese. There's a flock of chickens, but this is a convocation of eagles. And we're about to go into this gathering. Is somebody with me now? 
hold tight. Egypt, what we read about today, it was their last day in Egypt. And we are here. This is our last day in Egypt. This is the last church age, the last day in Egypt. The blood must be applied. The Passover must be taken. We must eat the lamb. It's a must. It's part of the Passover. You can't have the blood applied and not be eating the lamb and the unleavened bread and the bitter herbs. The last day has arrived. The death angel is in the lamb. I hear the screams. Churches are closing. People are dying. America's dying. Values are dying. Families are dying. Divorces. All kinds of perverse. Everything going on. We're at the last day. Look around. In Egypt, it's our last day here. There's not another age coming after this one. It's the last day in Egypt. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, we've arrived to the last day in Egypt. And a prophet sent us a message. You got to get the blood applied. The life of the lamb must be applied now. And you must be more sincere than you've ever been. You can't just play around. You've got to have your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You've got to be dressed and ready to go because any moment we're going to hear the summons. Come up here. The last night. Then the morning dawned. After the last night, the morning dawned with a new beginning. We're going to be leaving slavery, Egypt, bondage, trouble, the sorrows of the past. I'd like to read from Psalms 105, verse 36. He smote. The firstborn, all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. Listen to what he did. He smote, he smote the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. He, he smote the Egyptians. Amen. Every chief devil, the chief of their strength, he's here to smite them. That taskmaster. That lust spirit, that evil devil, that, that slavery. Come on. He's here to hit the slave owners. I want you to get it. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. The Bible said they spoiled the Egyptians. Amen. And I want you to read this with me. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. 
Do you believe that they crossed from the red or the dry sea or the or crossed the Red Sea on dry land? How many believe that? You really believe that? Amen. Do you believe that Jonah lived in the belly of a whale for three days and nights and was vomited out on dry land? Do you really believe that? Keep that scripture up for me a moment. Do you believe Lazarus came forth after four days and was a living, live, healthy man again, healed? Amen. Do you believe Jesus rose from the tomb after a brutal crucifixion had left him lifeless? Do you believe he rose? Do you believe he's alive? Well, then believe this too. When he brought them forth, there was not one feeble person among their tribes. The night of their leaving, Granny was over there in a cot and she was dying, pulling her last breath. And somebody said, if we can just get Granny to eat some of this lamb. Ninety-nine-year-old brother Isaac was over there, whatever his name was, Jewish brother. If we can just get him, he can't go the journey on this journey. This journey, he can't go in this rapture, in this feeble condition. If we can just, here, here, Isaac, just, just take a bite of this lamb. Just take some of this unleavened bread. And when old granny was gasping her last breath, and she got a bite of lamb in her mouth and began to chew on that and began to swallow that down. Amen. And took a bite of the unleavened bread. Strength becoming together in her. She got stronger and stronger. And after a while, she's sitting up in bed, throwing her feet over on the side. Amen. She went back to her beginning and had her an eighth-day revival. Hallelujah. And she went there, not a feeble person. Not a feeble person. I don't care if they were 110 years old. That wasn't a feeble person. They went out on the strength of that lamb. And that's only a type of this lamb that was given in this day. And we're having an eight-day revival. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. We got lamb for all the seals are open. We got unleavened bread, not contaminated. I say take a bite and not a bite of that lamb. I see strength is coming back in the church. I see miracles are coming in the church. I see the Holy Ghost is coming in the church. I see the power of God is coming in the church. I see cancer are being healed and babies leaving. I had to do that. I couldn't have enough language to talk about what I'm talking about. We're about to leave the seventh age. We're about to leave the feast of the tabernacles. We're about to have an eighth day. And we will go from time back into eternity. Where are we 
came from. Back to our beginning. Behold, I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And there won't be a feeble one among us. In a moment, in the twinkling of eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Hallelujah, from this mortal must put on him, this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall be put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death, death, the death angel has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory. We're not leaving here feeble and old and decrepit. We're leaving here renewed on the life of the Lamb, on the strength of the Lamb. Now all these types, he's painting a picture. I got two minutes for two thirds here. Amen. The musicians can come on. What is it? The Holy Ghost has been painting a picture. The Holy Ghost before the foundation of the world. That he ordained a church, a Holy Ghost filled church that he ordained before the beginning of the world to appear yonder in his glory. And some of these mornings he'll sweep down through from the heavens like a great magnet. And he'll pick up that little church that's been persecuted and hang her yonder in the hall of fame. And she'll go to the sky shouting, this robe of flesh shall drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize. And shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Hallelujah. It's the last night. It's the last days. Oh, he said, the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Spirit that we've worked in a small measure. While the headstone's coming down to unite to the body. But while the headstone is coming down to unite with the body. But when the head and the body unites together, the full power of the Holy Ghost will raise her up again. Just exactly like that. And even the dead that's dead in Christ for hundreds of years will rise in the beauty of his holiness and take a flight to the sky. The dynamics is his Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll have you all to stand now. Brother Donnie can preach 15, 30 more minutes after you have them stand. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm just going to be Brother Donnie today. I just got a few more things to say. In the great eternity ahead, we're going to feast together. And this is what I've been weeping about. We'll feast together and we'll commemorate the Passover again. 
This time it'll be a commemoration. There won't be no death angel. You know, in later years they would commemorate, but there wasn't a death angel. On our time, we're not commemorating. It's real. There's a death angel. But Matthew 26, 29. But I say to you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day I drink it new, new beginning with you in my Father's kingdom. We're going to have a communion, a Passover, a supper. We'll remember. We will remember back when that awful night of this life was over. And we're sitting there at a table that stretches a thousands of miles long. We'll remember and commemorate the last night of the last age when death got swallowed up in victory. We'll remember Calvary when he became the lamb. And we'll remember his eighth day when he rose from the grave, his eighth day experience, and he exploded from the tomb. We'll remember when the church, we'll remember back when the church had its eight-day experience on the day of Pentecost and that explosion from the upper room. We remember when we had our own personal Pentecost, our own eight-day experience, and sin and darkness passed away with a great noise. We remember that in the darkest of hours in Laodicea, that the church had her eighth-day experience. And there the seven seals was open. And we returned to being the bride. We were at Pentecost. We remember some of us feeble, old, some crippled, some blind. But they felt that change sweep over them and were changed back to the beginning. And they experienced their eighth day of a new beginning and a new body. On that on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share when his chosen one shall gather to that home beyond the sky when the road is hard out when the road all of you when the road is called Oh, 
homecoming week when we've been there. I want to read just one last quote here while you're standing. Let's just worship a little bit. It ain't three o'clock yet. What are we in a hurry for? You done missed the dinner special. Just go have supper. The Lord's Supper. Be more sincere than you've ever been. It's the last day. You don't want to miss it. To do this, to bind the serpent, you've got to be more sincere. This is the last warning. This is about the Laodicean message. There will not be another. The throne room has been set up. The 12 foundations have been laid. The streets of gold have been paved. The gates of gigantic pearls are raised and hinged. Like a pyramid she stands so fair and glorious. The heavenly beings who have prepared her watch breathlessly for she glistens and shines with a glory that is unearthly. Every facet of her beauty tells the story of amazing grace and Jesus' love. She awaits only for her inhabitants and soon, punch your neighbor and say soon, soon they will throng her streets with joy. Yes, it is the last call. The Spirit will not speak in another age. The ages are over. But thank God, at this moment, the ages are not over. He is yet crying, and his crying is not only in the spiritual ears of men by his Spirit, but once again, a prophet is in the land. Once more, God will reveal the truth as he did to Paul in the days of the seventh messenger, in the days of the Laodicean age. Its messenger will reveal the mysteries of God as revealed to Paul. He will speak out and those who receive that prophet in his own name will receive the benefit of that prophet's ministry. And they will hear him. They that hear him will be blessed and become a part of that bride of the last days who are mentioned. In Revelation twenty-two seventeen, the spirit and the bride say come. The corn of wheat, the bride wheat that fell into the ground at Nicaea has come back to original word grain again. Praise God forever. Amen. Israel, it's going home time. Time for another eight-day experience. We look around, see young men, young women walking in. I saw my mother, young woman, sitting over there, white robe. I looked at her. I said, I know that woman. I know who she is. Who is that? I looked over and looked around for somebody to talk to. There was Brother Ron Spencer there. I turned around to him. I said, Brother Ron, that woman right there, that woman just come in and sat down and why that looks just like my mother. And she said, Tim, it's me. I just come to tell you 
you're well thought of over here. And I'm sure sorry for all the troubles I caused you. Brother, one day it'll be worth it all. All the misunderstandings will be made right. People who didn't understand you, why you made this decision, why you had to do this or that, why you had to stand uncompromising with the prophet's message. I know, a lot of people didn't like when I preached Christmas, but I had to do it the way the prophet did it because we sent him, I was sent a message. A lot of things I've had to adjust. Had to leave a lot of Pruitt ideas. You've had to too. Amen. why this explosion burns sin and unbelief out of me. Let it do it to you today. Every remainder of sin and unbelief so you can be birthed into a new life. The journey's been hard. One day, even now we eat the bitter herbs of life. The troubles along the journey, even though we're having this Passover. But one day, just soon, we're here at our last night. (laughs) The morning's about to dawn. Are you ready for it? Are you prepared? Have you been eating on the lamb? A drone? Been eating on a long time, hadn't you, Sister Linda? Been eating on a long time but it's going to change your mortal bodies. You remember that day when I preached the church ages? You was just a young man. I preached on the church ages. You'd had experience with God, but you had that eight-day experience. You remember what it did? It burned television, all these other things right out of your life. You've been a different man since, haven't you? Why? Because you were changed. And you look around, different ones of you. It's going to be worth it all when we get home. Amen. Upon our journey here below, we meet with pain and loss. Sometimes there is a crown of thorns. Sometimes it's a heavy cross. The dreary road to Calvary, the bitter golden sting. But what's inside those gates of poor will be worth everything. When we're inside those gates of pearl, we'll learn 